This is the In Focus podcast from the Hindu. Welcome to another episode of the Hindu's In Focus podcast. I'm Zubeda Hamid, your host for today. This year's annual status of education report or ASER titled Beyond Basics surveyed over 34,000 young people aged between 14 and 18 in 28 districts across the country to get an inkling into what are the young people of India currently doing what are their basic math and reading abilities like and how do they navigate the digital world through smartphone use the results were perhaps not very surprising given that asar which is brought out by the ngo pratham has been flagging concerns about reading and numeracy levels among primary school children for some time now the report showed that about 25% of the teens who were surveyed could not read a second standard text fluently in their regional language and over 50% struggled with a fourth standard level division problem It also showed however that over 85% of these teenagers are enrolled in an educational institution and their digital awareness skills are high nearly 90% had access to a smartphone and knew how to use it so what do these results indicate about the education system in india how is the country doing with regards to the nipun bharat mission which aims towards foundational literacy and numeracy will the gaps in education hurt the employment prospects of these young people and how can they be fixed can their ease with digital devices be harnessed towards bettering their education we delve into these questions and more with rukmini banerji ceo of the pratham education foundation hello dr rukmini banerji and welcome to the hindus in focus podcast thank you so much zubeda for having me here so dr banerji the asir report this time has found that 25% of teenagers in rural india are struggling to read a second standard textbook in their regional language does this do you think point to a fundamental problem with our primary school teaching so uh, as you know that this asir is not our usual asir it's a much um, uh, smaller in scale uh, uh, first of all it focuses on the age group 14 to 18 which uh, we believe is an uh, age group on which we need to really think about you know um, many aspects of what they are doing what they are thinking about and so on so this asar is one of our gap year asars um after doing asar the usual asar for 10 years at a stretch after 2014 we moved into this every alternate year we do something smaller but something deeper and uh 2017 we focused on this age group and now we are back to it uh 6 years later uh so it is much smaller in scale it's only one district per state except in madhya pradesh and uttar pradesh where the states are big so we have two districts um and then we cover many other aspects as well so yes the data shows that uh, uh percentage of children i mean sorry of youth in this age group are not able to read but by the way this is not new news every single asar since 2005 has pointed to uh, the fact that even in standard 8 which is the last grade in which uh, for which the usual asar is done has shown this consistent finding so it's a it's something that has been known all along uh, i think what is different in this asar is that you can also see what the uh, young people in this age group what else uh, they are doing what else they are 
uh, aiming to tackle and so on. So while 25% uh, are struggling to read is true, but you have to also look at uh, some of the other aspects that we've covered here for the first time. Tell us a little bit about, as you said, this is looking at the 14 to 18 age group, not just uh, or not just with regard to their reading and arithmetic abilities, but also what they're thinking, how they're using smartphones, what are their aspirations in terms of higher studies, etc. Talk to us a little bit about one of the positive findings was that enrollment rates continue to be high, despite the fact that many people thought that post-pandemic these rates would drop, correct? And the number of children going for tuition classes has also risen. Does this indicate that parents are still focusing on education as a priority? Yeah. So before I go into that, I also wanted to make one more point that, uh, you know, we don't refer to these findings as national findings because this is, you know, uh, a, a sample of about 1600 villages. So while the each district that has been sampled is representative at the district level, the districts together are not necessarily any national sample. So are we in our report refer to them as all districts that were sampled. But remembering that the all districts are, you know, uh, very few districts. Now, the reason for doing this um, on a small scale, but trying to go in with a wide angle lens was exactly this, that there is activity, what the young people are doing now, uh, what do they, uh, among a whole set of things that uh, uh, they do in daily life, and then, of course, this new component of digital skills. And finally, there is an aspiration as well. Now, on the activity, if I focus on the activity to begin with, uh, I think it points to several very interesting things. You know, we know that the right to education extends up to age 14 or grade 8. But we see that well beyond the mandated compulsory education age group, there are lots of uh, young people who are still enrolled. Uh, and I think this is a sign that both at the provision level, at the policy level, and at the parent level, there is a very strong uh, trend for more years of schooling, for sure. So people are not stopping at the end of elementary school. They go all the way up. They go uh, certainly up to 10th, and in many cases, to 12th and beyond. Um, and like you mentioned, we were, I think everybody was very worried that after COVID, uh, the you know with the economic disruptions at home with the school closures that happened all across in schools and colleges that there would be a dip in enrollment and that especially for older girls we would see that uh, you know they have uh, uh, maybe not come back to school uh, but that's not the case we see that uh, uh, you know enrollment rates have gone up we saw it in our ASA 2022 as well that all the way up to eighth grade, we saw a much bigger increase. And the 2022 ASAR is, of course, comparable with many of the previous ones, covers every rural district in India. We saw that. And we see that reflected here as well. I think the interesting thing about the age group is that 14 to 18 is a quite a wide range. So while the 14-year-olds are still in, you know, eighth or ninth, the 18-year-olds are well into college or not in college. So we see that the, uh, at age 14, there is very little um, proportion who are not enrolled in school. It's, I think, less than 4% and hardly any difference between uh, boys and girls. At age 18, the percentage of youth not enrolled is much higher. It's almost a third of the, of the age group because many of them now are beyond the 12th stage. But yet, 
32% is not enrolled, which means that everybody else is. And here as well, there's a slight difference between female and male. 33% of males are not enrolled and 31%, uh, sorry, 33% of females are not enrolled and 31% is of males are not enrolled. So there is a slight gender difference, but not a huge one. So I think that is very significant as well. And I think today or yesterday, the higher education survey from the government has been uh, released, which also shows an increase in enrollment at college level. Um, another interesting uh, fact that we see is that uh, even in the 2017 ASAR, which was again for a limited number of districts, we saw that uh, young people of this age group uh, did tend to work also. And in the work outside the home, the, those who were not enrolled, of course, worked more. But among those who were enrolled and still working, that proportion has dropped since 2017. So I think looking at all of these data points together, at least in the districts that have been studied in this ASAR, we definitely see a very strong push towards continuing to be educated uh, and, uh, you know, uh, lower uh, a, a lowering of the proportions who are either working while in this age group or doing other things. Let's go back to a little bit to what you said earlier, Dr. Rukmini. Uh, you said that the findings about the reading levels, for instance, are not new and that ASUR has been highlighting this fact for several years in its reports. Um, another finding that they also found when it come, you also found when it comes to mathematics is that half the students who were surveyed could not do a fourth standard division problem. And these students are just a few years away from entering the job market. How do you think this is going to impact potential employability and where do you think the gaps lie? So I think that, you know, again, uh, we have to put it all together in a, in a kind of a bigger uh, overall picture. So job market, if I look at how many of our young people enter an organized sector job market, I think that number is quite small. Um, I'm not a, a labor economist and I should not quote uh, numbers without having the actual source in front of me. But I think it's well recognized that the organized sector or the formal sector uh, employment, uh, you know, is only a very small fraction of the total uh, age group that actually works. So if I look at what work the young people are doing right now, a large proportion of them are actually working uh, in their own family, either it is the family farm or if there's a family has a business in that. So I think that it is important for us to look at what kind of, I mean, obviously being ready for a whole variety of things is the ideal thing. Um, if I say that 25% uh, are still struggling with basics, that doesn't or not mean that there isn't a much higher percentage who are able to do many things well beyond, you know, elementary school stuff. That is not measured in ASAR because in ASAR we only look at the floor. So if I look at our usual ASAR trends from the big ASAR that is done every other year now, you see that there is a clear, uh, again, I mean, I'm just extrapolating because I know what uh, level they can do with ASAR. But if you can do the highest level, we don't measure how high you can go. So if I look at the elementary school numbers, it's probably true that about 20-30% are doing very well. And if I look at the denominator, how many children, how many young people there are in any age group, 40% uh, of that age group is a very high number. 
So those who are going to enter, go through college, go through higher education, enter formal sector jobs is probably still a very substantial number. The concern is that of those who are at the lower end of the distribution, they are probably going to be absorbed in a kind of a local uh, economy and most likely a family economy. Now, it depends on in the family business or in the family farm, you know, what are they actually doing? What is the family doing? And in what way can uh, and in what way are these uh, young people contributing? Tell us a little bit about the role of the National Education Policy 2020 and the Nippon Bharat Mission, which focuses on foundational literacy and numeracy. How is it playing out in our education systems at the moment? Is there a long way to go still for us to be able to achieve this foundational literacy and numeracy? So I think that uh, the the biggest push that we can see, and again, remember that uh, uh, as Asar, of course, we go in and do specific kinds of uh, explorations. But as Pratham, we are largely involved uh, in pre-primary and primary education. Uh, We work with uh, many state governments across the country. And we see a very determined and energetic push through Nippun Bharat, which is focusing largely on the early grades. We also see many state governments trying to figure out how they're going to uh, bring in the pre-primary age group into this whole continuum as the national education policy um, lays out. Now, our keynote speaker at the Asar launch, I don't know if you got a chance to listen to him, I had many interesting ideas. This is Manish Sabarwal from uh, Team Lease. And one of the reasons we actually invited Manish to speak at the launch was really for this view, you know, based on your last question, what does all of this look like if you're looking at it from a labor market perspective? Uh, And he had, uh, among the many interesting things he said, He thinks there are three things that we need to do on human capital development, prepare, repair, and upgrade. So if I take his very simple three-way approach, I would say the prepare, especially in the early grades, and in fact, even in, you know, thinking about how to bring in a pre-primary as part of a foundation stage, I think there's a lot of work that is going on right now. And that started very quickly as soon as schools opened in 2022. Now, the the investments that are being made today, we will begin to see payoffs as these children grow and, you know, go through the system. Uh, the second point I would say is that there are also several state governments who look upon this foundational uh, numeracy and um, literacy for actually the elementary grades. Uh, several, there are several state governments where this catch up of um, foundational literacy and numeracy is also being pushed in grades three and upwards. You know, Punjab, Andhra Pradesh, Bihar, in UP, there is a strong push to get up to this catch up to be done uh, in fourth and fifth as well. And there may be other states as well. I think where uh, so the national education policy actually opens up all of these possibilities. I do think that as you go higher in the school system, the compulsions of teaching and learning of the grade level expected curriculum is quite high. And so I, what I'm hoping that uh, with this ASAR, where we are looking at uh, only the this age group, 14 to 18, that the new education policy says universal secondary schooling is a goal and that uh, efforts can be made to help those who have dropped out or you know need catch up. I, I don't have the policy right in front of me, but there is reference to that. I, I feel that uh, we can use that policy umbrella to really think about how to help the catch up in the 
higher grades as well. Um, I think there is also talk in the new education policy about flexible uh, uh, ability to take courses of different types. And that, I think, is, again, a very good opportunity to think about how to make um, secondary schooling and even beyond accessible to those kids who maybe have to work as well. So I, I do feel that looking through the new education policy, there are many things that can be, uh, you know, tagged on to the kinds of insights that we are seeing from the data. You know, introduction of uh, skilling, uh, whether it is learning for work or learning for life, uh, is also something that the new education policy refers to. And I think there is some thinking that is going on around those as well, that how do you get young people while they are still in school thinking about or practicing skills that they may need in a wider sense in the world of work. That's interesting what you said, Dr. Banerjee, about trying to focus on these catch-up skills even when the kids are in higher classes, like classes 7, 8, 9, 10, etc. Do you think there needs to be a greater push towards this? Because as you said, in the elementary level, already we are doing it with the Nippon Bharat and the NEP, etc. And the states are pushing it in the, at the elementary level. But does there need to be a greater push at the higher class level for this catch-up to happen? So I feel that there are, I mean, we can look at it in two ways. One is to look at it as an opportunity and the other is to look at it as a challenge. Now, if I, again, if I go back to these 28 or so districts in which, uh, you know, we've taken a deeper look, take a look at what the data says about uh, the interaction of this age group with digital uh, devices and uh, what kind of skills are they using. Now, this is a very new component uh, that has been introduced in this survey. Uh, and we we looked at this whole interaction in several different ways. So we all know that during COVID, everyone's interaction and use and skills and openness with, um, you know, uh, digital uh, devices and um, digital capabilities really went up. Now here, what we see, interestingly, is that uh, of the uh, young people who were approached in the sample districts, close to 90% have a smartphone in the household. And, you know, close to 90% young people say, I know how to use the phone, you know, whatever that means, right? Uh, during the course of the survey, in addition to asking people their, you know, what they do with the smartphone, we also actually asked kids if they could bring a smartphone while the survey team was there and do a couple of things, uh, you know, with the phone. Now, uh, you know, you, you could see that uh, uh, when kids were asked to bring a phone, a very high percentage actually could bring the phone while we were, you know, actually doing the survey. So ownership of smartphones varies a lot. Young people of this age group, boys have, you know, more than 40% boys have their own smartphone. Uh, much lesser women have smartphones under 20%. But access to a smartphone from somebody in the family is very high. And at least basic knowledge of how to use a smartphone is also quite high. The second one, which is also self-reported, is that close to 90% young people said that they had used social media for something or the other in the past week. And then when we probed further, we found that, let's say, if we bucket this, what did you do uh, when you were online? Three types, you know, entertainment, you know, games, videos, songs, whatever, that is one bucket. Uh, things to do with studying is another bucket. And the third one we asked about was, did you use any services? You know, 
Did you pay bills? Did you fill out a form? And so on and so forth. Um, on the entertainment one, we see a big, um, firstly, lots of people have used the internet for, uh, you know, entertainment. And there we see boys have used it way more than girls, which probably is also fits in with the fact that many more boys have their own smartphone. So whether it is themselves or their friends, they probably are able to use the smartphone for a longer period of time and therefore explore, explore many more things. But if I look at what girls and boys reported in terms of using the smartphone for studying, it is actually quite equal. Uh, it's lower than uh, the percentage that use it for entertainment, but it's quite equal. Again, I think this points to the fact that we've just talked about earlier that there is family support and I think community support and school support for using whatever means possible for further education. So, you know, if I'm going to borrow my brother's phone or my father's phone, you know, it is probably much more likely that they'll say, take my phone and use it for, you know, uh, you know, either getting stuff off the internet or sending assignments to someone or clearing your doubts and so on and so forth, than, you know, using my phone for you to use for entertainment. So, again, I'm putting pieces together. I think that this ability that kids have, the backbone, while we may say that 25% still can't read, you know, almost everybody knows how to use the smartphone. So if I'm going to plan catch-ups or if I'm going to plan you know, exposure of young people to, you know, possible future pathways. If I want to expose them to the kinds of skills you need to have uh, to get ready for work, I think using social media, using devices, using digital infrastructure could be a huge help in this. And I think this is probably much more likely as a mechanism to help this age group get further than some of the younger ones where like in Nippon Bharat, you actually need teachers and parents and, you know, actual materials and a lot of instructional time to get them there. Now, how exactly all this should be done is obviously a question which experts will have to look into. But I think what these uh, districts of this year's ASAR are saying is that a backbone has been built. Now, how do we build on that digital backbone is something that is really worth thinking about. That has neatly answered my question about how to how the how digital use could be uh, you know harnessed for better skill development. So thank you. Uh, last question, Dr. Banerjee. Uh, one, uh, let's talk a little bit about the gender uh, disparities here. One finding of your report was that the girls are less likely to enroll in STEM or science-based courses compared to boys. Uh, is this a significant finding? Do you think? So I think that, again, you know, our survey points to certain things. And I think the way to look at this year's ASAR is to say the things that we are pointing to, we need to go and dive deeper and figure out further because this is just a first step. Now, are girls not enrolling in STEM or, or, or are there those choices not available in the high schools that they attend? We are not able to, uh, you know, figure out which it is because we have not surveyed the institutions in which they are studying to see if this choice was even possible. Now, we see that, for example, those who are enrolled in government institutions, the proportion of you know males or females taking humanities courses is higher. Now, this may mean that we don't have sufficient uh, science and math uh, teachers uh, available in the high schools in which these kids are attending. 
so all we can see is what they are doing today. But whether they chose to do it or it was the default option, we are not able to tell. But I certainly think that, you know, looking at, uh, at rural high schools across different states and seeing what teachers we have for what subjects might be something that we should do quickly. And again, my school may not have a science teacher, a physics teacher, or a chemistry teacher who can teach me at 10 standard level. But I can be connected digitally to other schools or other sites. The government has done a lot on this Diksha platform on connecting, you know, or making available through QR codes and other means. So if I have access to that, so for example, if schools are connected through the internet, some of these difficulties could be, you know, uh, leapfrogged over. So I think for this age group, this, uh, you know, being savvy about how to uh, navigate digital pathways has to be leveraged. Uh, one more interesting thing I wanted to point out that in terms of the things that they are doing uh, with digital devices, those who are still struggling to read are also doing them. So it's not that just because you are not able to do, you know, whatever level of basic math or language you are left out, you're just able to do it less successfully than the others. So how do we use these pieces that we are seeing to come to fit together to really create more and faster opportunities for these young people? I think that's what we should take away from this, Asir. Uh, can I mention one more thing, Zubeda? Uh, I don't yes, know if I mentioned it, that we see for this age group, and I think this is something that uh, one of the articles by Madhav Chavan in the report refers to, that if you look at girls and boys overall, you see gender differences, especially with reference with with reference to their uh, what they can do on the uh, online. But if I compare boys who own cell phones, their own cell phones, and girls who own their se own cell phones, the the proportion of this, of course, is very different. But once I compare apples to apples, we see very little gender difference if each of the uh, category, boys or girls, owns their own cell phone. So maybe in the, you know, around uh, whatever, 2006, 7, 8, uh, there was a whole provision of bicycles for girls to go to high school. Maybe the time has come to say if a girl has her own smartphone, she can maybe navigate many more pathways more easily uh, today um, than, uh, you know, than she could earlier. So I just wanted to put this out as well. <laughs> that would be an interesting proposition. <laughs> Thank you, Dr. Banerjee, for speaking to us today. Thank you. Thank you, Zubin. In Focus will be back soon with analysis of the biggest news issues. In the meantime, you can find our podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and other platforms. Just search for In Focus by The Hindu. We'll see you soon.